Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times and the Pointer Institute. On this podcast, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm a former enterprise editor at the Times. Today's topic, Zeke the Labrador. So if you like dogs, this is definitely the story for you. We'll include a link with the podcast, but you can also find a copy in Lane's book, The Girl in the Window, and Other True Tales. So Lane, of course, is a huge dog lover. Uh, I imagine the story appealed to you immensely, but um, how did you find Zeke? Yeah, so Zeke is probably one of about maybe half a dozen dog stories that I've eked out over the years. I like, I love dog stories. Only and half a dozen? Come on. <laughs> yeah, of maybe two or three dozen that I've pitched. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I love a good dog story. Um, and, and this one actually came from our friend Kelly Benham French. So Kelly's another huge dog lover. In fact, she rescued the pit bull puppy that I now have. Um, and she told me about Zeke when I was up visiting her, speaking to her um, journalism class at Indiana University. And Zeke was the dog of the cousin of a woman who was married to a man who used to teach a class at University of Florida. This whole long roll of people who all were dog lovers. And she ended up telling me that they live maybe about three miles from where I live. So, you know, five different people, five different states connecting this dog to me to tell this story. And I initially, I was like, oh, everything happened in the past. You know what I mean? I can't, there's nothing I can witness. Cause by the time I called and talked to the wife a little bit, she was like, yeah, both Gerald and Zeke are on their way out. You know, her husband and the dog were both really, really old. And she was worrying they were going to die. And so that was sort of the action, you know, um, which is a weird action. But I ended up being able to spend just a couple of days with them where they can recreate all this stuff. Um, and so that's that's kind of how I got, you know, my friend Kelly isn't part of it at all, at all, at all. But she led me to people who led me to people who led me to Zeke. Did you believe it right at first? I mean, it seems kind of incredible, right? Like that this dog would actually be able to save this man so many times. Well, I believed it when, at first when I, Kelly told me it happened once, but then when they started telling me no, and then it happened again and again and again, I think 30 times she said. And so I was able to, like, I had to do, I felt like I had to do a bunch of like confirmation reporting, you know, like I called the paramedics who she told me had responded and oh, all the paramedics knew Zeke. Yes, the paramedics knew Zeke, you know, all the neighbors knew Zeke. And so even when we just went out for a walk, like our only scene I got to witness, all these people came out to give Zeke a dog bone and to tell Gerald hello and to ask how they were doing. And then they told me other incidents with like a little girl who fell off her bike and another guy up the street. And I was able to go knock on those doors, just like old fashioned reporting. And, you know, it was so fun though, because a lot of time when you're doing those knock on people's doors, they don't want to talk to you. 
and you have to talk them into talking to you. Man, everybody and their brother wanted to talk about Zeke. You know, everybody had their own Zeke story. Everybody left their door open for Zeke. So it was really fun. It was like a fun afternoon to like verify everything that everybody had told me. So they tell you all these stories, all these different episodes where, you know, Zeke came to the rescue. Why did you start with the driving scene? What was it about? I mean, what was about that whole situation that really appealed to you? I think because that was the first time it happened, you know, oh, okay. the, the first time as a puppy that he'd ever like alerted them. And I also kind of like the idea that in the very same moment, in the very same Lincoln car, that he's going to buy a gravestone because he knows he's going to die. This little puppy is saving his life. And, and I love that juxtaposition. And, you know, Gerald had told me that story initially and Gerald didn't offer a lot of details. He was a man of a few words, you know, and, so when I went to Jeannie to confirm it and she let me sit there, we, we drank beers on her patio with Zeke and we just sat outside for like four or five hours. And she was so great about filling in all the details and like really talking me through what had happened in the moment, how she was feeling and thinking. And so, you know, she was able to not only confirm, but to add on to everything that Gerald related. Just a question came to mind as you were saying that, because I'm sure that she told that story again and again to people, right? But telling it to a reporter, I'm just curious, if, like, did you recall those, that interaction with her? And did she say some things to you that maybe hadn't even occurred to her in all the other times she'd been talking about it? Or, you know, was the dynamic a little different? I think so, because I slowed her down a lot. I let her tell the story at her own pace. And then I went back and I said, OK, you know, how far out of town were you? What were you where were you sitting in the car? You know, what? how many times did did Zeke? react before you finally pulled over you know what did you think he was doing so kind of letting her tell it but then filling in the gaps if that makes sense yeah yeah i i wanted you to talk a little bit about that first sentence in this story so the story starts the first time it happened gerald rittinger was driving to buy his gravestone so it's it's a brilliant sentence i mean it's like it's how can you not read more right like but but i love that you left the it <laughs> like totally up in the air and and have this feeling of like, okay, what's about that? What what happens here? What's going on? And the man's doomed to die. What, you know, all of it. It's just really intriguing. But um, I'm curious, like, you know, what, once you decided to start with that scene, I guess, why that sentence? How did you work? Did it just come to mind as one of those, like you were in the shower and it came right to you or what? Did you struggle to find it? No, I think I knew as soon as they, they both started their story there, the first time it happened. You know what I mean? I sat down with them. Like, they didn't talk about when they met or how they got the dog or, you know, bringing him home. It was like, well, the first time it happened. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool, you know, beginning. And I knew that um, there was going to be a big picture of this really cute dog that was going to draw readers in no matter what. So that it could be more amorphous, I think, than saying the first time the dog saved his life. You know, I kind of wanted to to build to that, if that made sense. And and sort of plant the seed that it was going to happen again and again. You know, it wasn't just this one time fluke mm -hmm. thing. Well, and that this man's life is precarious, right? Right. The dog is, is the hero right from the beginning, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to, to pass on that story. Well, and I also think the juxtaposition of old man with a little puppy is interesting because most yeah. old men aren't going to start over with a new puppy. And so that in and of itself is kind of like infusing some life, you know, and, and the Lincoln, I thought the Lincoln was like a perfect, like old person highway car, like that 
that made sense to me to put them in the Lincoln and tell you what, you know. You're getting all these dramatic stories about these times that this dog has come to the rescue, which must be frightening as hell because, you know, sometimes he might be slumped over or, he, you know, things like that. But I guess the husband's a quiet guy. So the wife was really good, I guess, about um, filling in. So she was the better storyteller. That's an oh. interesting dynamic with a couple when you're interviewing a couple, because I know you try to get them together sometimes just to be able to to get them talking. But by far, you know, and, and he was one of those old men who he didn't want to complain, but you could be in his presence and see how difficult just like sitting in a chair was, you know, much less walking a dog. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I totally got the feeling from observing them that Zeke was like one of the only reasons that Gerald got out of bed even anymore, you know, like that he, he was the motivating factor to keep them moving. But Jeannie really liked having someone to talk to about how hard it was for her. Like, and I listened and, and, you know, she, she would say in front of Gerald, she would talk about, you know, he, he pees the bed at night and he has a seizure and I can't go anywhere and leave him. And I didn't, I couldn't even go next door before we got Zeke because I was afraid he was going to fall and no one would know. And so I think being able to like have those conversations with her really honestly about how hard it was for her sort of also reflected how much the dog helped her, if that makes sense. And also I like the reluctance, like she was not a dog lover going in. You know, she was scared of dogs. She'd been, I don't know if it was bitten or threatened by a dog when she was young and she she didn't want a dog. And so sort of that resistance, which is the opposite of me, like, I want a dog, I love every dog. You know, it was, it was I, that helped, I thought it helped the narrative that Zeke won her over, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so I was gonna say like, you know, when you look at the story, Structurally, it's pretty simple. You know, you've got the anecdote, got the background on how this couple met, how they draw in Zeke. Um, you tell us what these what dogs can do, not just you know with this, but other kind of things. Um, then Zeke's life, and you take the walk. But I, but I felt like you kept every section really, really tight. Is that something you did as you wrote, or is that something that you did as you edited? Both. <laughs> okay. okay. I I I, uh, I like the scenes really short and and not because not really like a lot happened. You know, you can punch in and out of that opening scene pretty quickly that he pulls over and saves his life. The last scene, I actually was crying when I was recording it, watching them painfully take this walk together and just knowing that that was going to come to an end really soon. But I barfed up way too much middle about other dogs and what they did and the science of smell and sniff and stuff. And so my wonderful editor took that out and helped me and, you know, streamlined just enough, like, you, hey, dogs do this and that and the other. And we really don't need a whole like scientific American explanation of how and why. It's just like, this is possible, you know? And I had put out a call. I don't know if you noticed in the part about diabetes dogs, I quote the website. I had put out a call and a public information officer request. And there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss all kind of other feelers to try to get someone to comment that i could call it and use a quote from and because there was a quick turnaround the story i ended up just quoting the website 
But when I reread it today, I was like, I didn't really need an expert in there. You know what I mean? I just need to tell you like, yes, we're not crazy. Dogs can do this thing, you know? You know, it's funny listening to you talk. I know that you get caught up in in your curiosity. Like I see your face light up, like when you think about doing the research and learning about something like how dogs can can read humans and all of that. And so I know it comes from that place. And I think a lot of reporters fall into that. You know, you get really curious about something. So you do all this reporting and then you feel the need to like share it because you're you're thinking, okay, the whole world is going to be as curious as I am. But really, no. <laughs> well, and I, that's where a good editor comes in too, right? You can yeah. say just enough. This is enough. Yeah, this is enough. And then we'll keep it going. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember during COVID, I tried really hard to do a story about COVID sniffing dogs. <laughs> Never worked out, but it is a thing. So... <laughs> Um, so we talked about you taking the walk with them. And I, I was, I was assuming going in that you didn't really have a lot of options as scenes because again, yeah, you, you coming late to these couple and this dog. And of course the dream scenario is to actually see something unfold in front of you. That's unlikely to happen. So going on this walk, I mean, I like that you had something like that, that it, that they weren't just sitting around, that they got to experience something together. So I'm thinking like, you know, what are you looking for in that scene as you're going out with them? What are you trying to pick up? I, I kind of wanted to see their interaction with each other um, because at the house, Jeannie was taking care of both of them. You know, they spent most of their days sitting out by the pool or sitting in front of the TV and she would bring them something to drink and she would not to be like at all pejorative, but she would pet them, you know, make sure they both were okay, Gerald and the dog. And she would check in on them, but they didn't really leave and they didn't do anything. And when when they went on the walk, I wanted to see what their relationship was. And Gerald had told me that when uh, Zeke was a puppy, he pulled really bad. And all my dogs I've ever had pull on the leash really bad. So I could relate. And he talked about how hard that was as an old man trying to keep up with this young dog. Well, we went on our walk the first thing i realized was gerald was pulling zeke you know like zeke was not only like behind him he was dragging him down mm -hmm. and you know gerald walked an eighth of a mile an hour like I don't know, it was, they were both so slow and it was so painful but it was so precious you know and and the way that sort of zeke was looking to gerald for guidance even though you also knew that zeke was watching out for gerald but also that maybe for the first time, you know, in recent years where Gerald had to look out for Zeke, you know, and so that, that relationship had turned around and I'm going to start crying even thinking about it, but it was just so sweet. It was just like, who's leaning on who, you know, who's taking care of who? And really that answer was they were both keeping each other alive, you know? Yeah. I love that you got some dialogue in there with Gerald and Zeke. So. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> Well, and you know, the nice thing about it too, it wasn't a forced scene. I mean, they do go on walks. They did go on walks. It wasn't like you were trying to create something that was unnatural, you know, so at least, at least that. And yeah, I like, I like what you're saying, thinking about it now that you kind of got away from, from mom and Mrs. so that it could just be the two of them in their moment. Um, and then, uh, so uh, the neighbors that just happened naturally, like you did, did you go knock on doors or no, they just came out and saw the dog. I knocked on a couple doors and a couple people came up to see the dog or were out getting their mail. He usually walked right around the time the kids were getting off school buses and people were getting home from work and getting their mail. So it was a cute little neighborhood where everybody's kind of out and about and their garages are open, you know. And so, yeah, I think maybe three or four people came out on our walk 
and a photographer was out there too. So I'm sure they were kind of like, what's going on out here? You know what I mean? But we also, every time we heard from somebody about another neighbor who had an interaction with Zeke, we went and knocked on that door or got a phone number and called them back later. Probably 10 or 12 people all together that we ended up actually talking to for that story. Um, just one thing back to your previous question about the walk. I, I was really thinking about slowing down, about how, you know, it, when I was a 20, 30 something year old reporter, I would have been like, gosh darn it, nothing's happening on this walk, <laughs> you know? But really so much was happening. And even just the way that Zeke crisscrossed the street to find the shade, it was really hot out and he didn't want to take extra steps. But if there was a tree on the side of the street, he would lumber over there, you know, and, and then, watching Gerald just sit and wait for him, 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 you know, and trying to mark that time. I think it was, it definitely forced me to be patient in the reporting of that last scene. I would imagine too that, you know, over the years, you've just, you know, part of it, yeah, definitely the patience, but also learning to, to, to look for the right things like that. You don't, it may not be in whatever he says to you or to the dog, it could be in the way that he pets the dog. It could be in the way that they walk together, like you said, or, you know, it just could be in really small things that you have to observe and that he's not even going to tip you off to. I mean, because he may not even know, right? Right. Or even how profound some of this was, you know? Right. I don't, I don't think he was like facing his maker with this idea of like, you know, going into the forever after together. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I think, we talked before about like my ideal reporting situation would be to have one hour or two when I interview you and then an hour or two when I observe you. But I think if you're able to do the interview first, the observation can become so much more meaningful because then I had stuff to look for, stuff to think about, stuff to watch out for or keep in context when I was on the walk. Whereas if I had done that first, I might not have been as aware of that, you know? By the time you did the walk, you already knew kind of what Gerald was facing. You knew how how much they'd been through together. You knew how the dog was getting and kind of how, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, and I take it the neighbors, they didn't know you were coming. They just sort of stumped, they saw you guys and sort of like, okay. Yeah, I think some of them were out there anyway, like kids coming home from school or people riding bikes or walking their own dogs, you know, but I think when the guy with the big camera was out in front of their house too. Some of them were like, what's, what's happening? <laughs> so I wanted you to talk a little bit about like, you know, we, you, you write of course, and uh, have written a ton of human interest stories. And um, I think in, uh, in, in, in all the years we've been in journalism, you know, sometimes those aren't considered the sexiest stories, you know, they're not the ones that are going to get people arrested or uh, thrown in prison or, you know, but they have such an, to me, such a great quality to this kind of story and what it can do for readers. So I, I wanted you to talk a little bit about why you're so drawn to them. And when you think of a story like this one, um, what do you feel like you're putting out there in the universe for readers with this kind of story? Wow, that's such a great question. It really is. I, and, and I think a lot of times, you know, my colleagues are writing wrongs. They're, they're investigating things that, that shouldn't be happening. They're fixing problems. They're opening people's eyes to institutional wrongs or political wrongs or whatever it is. And I think that is like the most important thing about journalism. But in, in some really lucky way, I found this little niche where I'm able to tell stories about people that maybe don't make a big difference, but hopefully like connect people. 
or make people feel or care in a different way or think about something or someone in a different way. Um, I mean, everybody loves a good dog story, right? And, and I think even people who don't like dogs can appreciate what a dog can do for you. But this was more story to me about the, like the relationship of growing old together and like showing each other up, you know? And I guess I told the story because I love the story, you know? And maybe that's not enough, but I've been doing this for 33 years. And I think that, that getting to write a story that I haven't read before is a big treat. And um, I've read a lot of dog stories. I've never read one like Zeke. And I, I think it was right of my editor to say, like, let's don't put this into a big project. You know, let's dig in and dig out. And this is maybe three or four day investment of the whole thing. But readers loved it. They all sent me all their own dog stories. I probably got 60 pictures of, oh, meet my Labrador Stormy, you know, and like just people who connected and wanted to share how much their dog meant to them or some dog they'd saved or some dog that had saved them and therapy dogs at the yin yang, you know, and so it just, it, I think it was a, a way to connect this community of people who have this appreciation for dogs through one single narrative, but then open these doors for everybody else to share their love of their pet or whatever. I, yeah, I was going to ask you what the reaction was, because I know uh, for anybody who's been in journalism for even a week knows that people love animals more than people. <laughs> so you can write, you can write about awful things happening to people, and it doesn't always get as much reaction as awful things happening to a dog. Uh, but folks, you'll definitely want to take a look at this story. And again, it's we'll have a link with the podcast, and uh, it is in Lane's book as well, which is fun to say, Lane's book. Um, go hug your dogs, people, and go hug your dogs. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can find other episodes on pointer.org forward slash right lane. And please join our Facebook group. This podcast was produced by Jesse Lauk. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory.